Hallelujah. Brother Clyde I don't know how much more appropriate those songs could have been for the hour in which we live right now. If there was ever a day we needed to sing about the unchanging, unchangeable, ever-present, all-knowing God, we need to sing about it today. Amen. You know, some people get aggravated because we don't sing out of the songbooks, and we do sing out of the songbook. We sang out of Psalms chapter 27 just a few moments ago, and I cannot help but go back to it. It says, The Lord is my light. And this translation says, And the one who saves me. So why should I fear anyone? The Lord protects my life, so why should I be afraid? No matter what happens in our culture, in our world, no matter how crazy life gets, evil people may try to destroy my body. My enemies and those who hate me attack me, but they are overwhelmed and defeated. He said, if an army surrounds me, I will not be afraid. If war breaks out, in this will I be confident. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I'm not looking for a government to save me. I'm not looking for politicians to save me. I'm not looking for anybody other than Him. Not even the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Christ. Amen. The Lord of glory. Somebody ought to clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise that He never changes. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The unchangeable. How many of you remember the ring washer? Anybody remember that? All you old folks do. I remember growing up, they had two rollers and this crank, and the way you wrung them out was you put the point of the cloth in there, and then you just cranked it through. Now you go... Open a door, a front load, you put it in, it uses a minimal amount of water, you use a certain kind of soap, and 30 minutes later you come and pull it out and put it in the dryer, and 30 minutes later you open up the dryer and it's all done, everything's changed. Everything's changed except God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You ought to thank Him for being... Always the same. We, we live in a world where politicians will tell you anything to get you to vote on them. And there's a lot of folks that are putting their hope in what may happen. I don't really, I, I need to be careful. I don't really care what happens anymore to this world. What I'm concerned about is another world. Amen. And I want to talk to you about that for a little while this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to direct you to the writings of Paul, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9. While you're turning there, two things. This coming weekend is a very special weekend. I know it's summer and a lot of people are out and coming and going, but I'm begging you, be here early. I've asked Brother Shoemake to just open his heart and share with our church a little bit about our beginnings, and I don't know what all he's going to say. Brother Glass possibly may be with us that night, 
But I want us to get reconnected to the root, the core of what brought us to where we are. Don't ever want to forget that. I think it's going to be a great weekend. How many of you would be willing to pray a little extra this week for these services? Would you do that? Amen. How many of you would be willing to take a day and fast for this coming weekend? I'm expecting God to do great things. First Corinthians, one other thing. Sister Ann, you don't know how good it is to see you today. I thought the rapture had taken place. I hadn't heard from her in so long. I hadn't seen her. I thought maybe the Lord had come and we didn't get the news. Because I know this much. If anybody goes to heaven, that woman's going to go to heaven. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. It's great to have you. All of our other guests, thank you for being here. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read beginning in verse number 24. Paul said, Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run. Everybody say, so run. So run that you may obtain or that you may win. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, or I bring my body into subjection The literal translation says, I beat myself down to submission to a higher purpose, to a higher purpose. And I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway or I should be disqualified. I do not want to be disqualified. Hebrews chapter 12. He said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Everybody said amen. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about winning the right race, not the rat race. Amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise for his word today? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our nation, as you are well aware, is enmeshed in a great political 
slugfest right now. And I'm sure that it's only going to be more carnival and more um, theatrics over the next few months until finally resolution has been made and the vote has been cast. But I will tell you this much. I can predict that after November, whatever it is, the 3rd, 4th, or 2nd, that it's not going to be any different than it is right now. It doesn't matter if a Republican's in office or a Democrat. What we are dealing with is much deeper than that. And the problem is we have allowed life to sabotage our vision and turn our eyes away from what really matters to things that are important but they're not essential. I, I would be remiss if I did not tell you that I am concerned. I, I realize that as bad as it may seem uh, and as worse as it may appear, it could get worse. But I want to take the could out and put the can in. It is going to get worse. Because I think that's the only way that God's going to get some of his people to the place that they're willing to cry, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Because far too many of us are very satisfied where we are right now, and we live like this world is all there is. And what we get here is all there is in the getting. The Olympics are soon to be decided as well, and there are many today who are competing for the opportunity to compete in those great games that have a great storied past. And the winners will be celebrated, and rightly so, because what you see on display are the best of the best. You see men and women who have put themselves through certain disciplines and rigors, and though we envy them for the ability to flip and turn and jump and run, the fact is the reason they can do that as well as they do is because their life has been devoted to that. Many of them started as just young children in gymnastics, and the runners, although they were gifted with a certain amount of speed. It takes more than just speed to win a race. It takes heart. It takes, we call it guts, determination. It takes something down inside that goes beyond your natural abilities that will push you. When the body is crying to give up and turn back, there's something inside of you that says, no, there's a prize before you, and it keeps pushing you forward. But I will tell you this morning that my greater concern is not for the Olympic races nor for the political races, but my greatest concern today is for the race of life. That's the race that really matters. The deciding of my eternity, where I'm going to live forever, is being decided right now. And the things that I do or I will not do or the things that I commit myself to or I refuse to commit myself to are the things that are deciding and determining where I'm going to spend eternity. 
And that's the race that I want to win. I may not ever win a foot race and I may not ever become a great Olympian or a politician or any of the other things that we strive for in life. But there is one thing that has been eating away in my soul for the last few weeks and that is, Lord, I must not lose this race of life. I must not lose. I have got to win in this race that I have started out in. I cannot fail at this. I I may fail at other things. I may not reach my goals in my personal life on this earth, but there is one goal that I cannot afford to miss, and that is the, the heaven that God has prepared for those who are looking for him. There are many who are more concerned today about the rat race than the right race. We give ourselves to things, and there's nothing wrong with things, but things will not answer what's on the inside of us. The reason I know that is because there are very wealthy people that are unhappy, and there are very poor people that are unhappy. So it's not what you have that determines your happiness in life. It's what you have on the inside of you and what you determine from that that you make yourself happy. Because of uh, what Paul was dealing with in the Corinthian church, he had to remind them of what really matters. Now, you, I don't have time to go into a great lengthy discourse on the Corinthian church, but it was a, it, it was a case, to say the least. They, uh, they were... There was a lot of issues in that church, morality issues and other pride issues, and there were divisions in the Corinthian church. And and some of the, you know, they bragged that I'm of Apollos or I'm of Paul, and there were a lot of cliques and there were a lot of schisms, uh, divisions, and Paul had to speak to that. He had to address the spirits that were coming against God's people and remind them of some things. But what seemed to be the most prevailing problem of Corinth was that Corinth felt like it was a mature church. It felt like it was a church that had grown up. And because it was mature and because it was grown up, it had given itself the liberty to do things that Weaker saints could not do. So they would eat the bread that had been offered to idols or the flesh that had been offered to idols, and there were many offenses. There were many people that were stumbling because they had been taught that they were called out of darkness. That was darkness. Why are you going back and partaking of what God called you out of? And so the Corinthian church had the idea that they were mature, and their maturity gave them privilege to live a life that was contrary to the Word of God. And you know what? There's not a lot changed over the years. Our clothing's changed. Our mode of transportation has changed. But it's amazing how many people in the day in which we live consider themselves to be mature Christians, and yet they excuse things in their life that God saved them from. And so Paul had to speak to that. 
there was a thinking among them that because they were mature, that this position gave them the right to do things that were not right. And so they had to be warned, and they wanted the easy way. They wanted, so to speak, their cake and eat it too. They, they wanted God, but they didn't want to let go of the things of the world. And because they were mature, they could handle it. They, they were mature. They, they could deal with it. Well, well brother, you just don't worry about that. That's, that's okay. I, I know how to handle that. That's the Corinthian mindset. The Corinthian mindset said, I'm grown up. I'm, I've been serving God longer than anybody else around here. I know I ought to know. I've had the best preachers preach to me. Well, I've been baptized by Apollos. I was baptized by someone else. And they boasted themselves of their spiritual level of maturity, but the truth was they were living on a level that was not pleasing to God. And so Paul reminds them that it's going to take more than privilege and position for you to make it in life. You hear me? Listen to me, church. Listen to me, young people. It's going to take more than privilege and position for you to make it in life. You're not going to win the race that counts just because you were born in a family, a godly family or a church-going family, or you're not going to be saved because you go to church all the time, although that should be a part of your life. You're going to be saved because there is a certain determination. There is a certain will that is involved. And so Paul drew from the world that they were familiar with. The Corinthians were very familiar with the athletic field, and they were uh, in, in Corinth. There was the Isthmian Games, which was only second to the World Olympics that were held in Rome. And so the Corinthians were well aware of what an athlete had to go through to win the prize. And so Paul reaches out to a world that they're familiar with and he pulls in an analogy and he says, now let me talk to you about what really counts. I want to talk to you about the race of life, the thing that really matters, your eternity. And the only way that you're going to win that race is if you go at it like the athlete goes after the prize that he is running for. And so Paul began to talk to them about spiritual matters that should have been concerned to them, winning the only race that really mattered, and that was the right race. Vince Lombardi, who was the famed coach of the Green Bay Packers, that, and if you were a Cowboy fan, you hated him and hated Green Bay, but he said this about winning. He said, if winning isn't important, then why do we keep score? He was trying to get a message through to some men that it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter your athletic ability. It doesn't matter how talented you are. Your talent will not take you where you want to be. There's got to be something inside of you that says the only thing that matters is winning. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. It doesn't matter if I get muddy or dirty in the process. What my goal is, is to win. And that's what Paul tried to get through to the Corinthian mind. That the main thing in life 
is not that you win the approval of others, but that you win the approval of God. And he said life is a battle. It's a, it's a contest. It's a race. And if you're going to win, you're going to have to give it your very best effort. And we better be earnest about it. A shabby soldier will never win a battle. Neither will a slack athlete ever win a race. We must never lose sight of the fact that we are always engaged in a great thing. Every day we live, we're involved in eternal things. This is not just a promotion. This is not merely an advertisement. The goal is life, L-I-F-E, eternal life. Is anybody interested in eternal life? Life that never ends. Life that goes on and on and on and on. Every one of us are involved in something that's going to have life of some kind. I want the life that God offers. Life is not the frivolous thing that many people act like it is either. And so Paul talked to them about the things that were needed and the things that were required, the things that spoke of eternity. Those were the things that really mattered. Winning this race was the only thing to him. I cannot afford to lose this race, he said. And so I have to watch myself that even after I have preached to others, if anybody should have had an easy way in, Paul should have had an easy way in, but he said, you know what? There's something about life that is so treacherous that I cannot even trust myself to believe that just because I've preached to others that I myself am going to win this. And so I have to beat my body down. I have to say no. I have to put a stop sign up to some things. I have to turn away from some things. I have to give up. I have to get loose from, I have to move away from some things because I've got to win. I've got to win this race. The temptation for many is to determine their daily living by what others do. Because others do it, then they think it's okay for them to do it. Some people take their their. their circumstances in life and they allow their circumstances to determine how they're going to live and there's a lot of people that have come and gone from churches and and their favorite storyline was i you know there's just so many hypocrites around there that's probably true but one more won't hurt so just stay around (laughs) but the fact is What they're doing is determining their spiritual life by what others do. You know what? I love Brother Landon. He's a great guy. But you know what? If he goes out and plays on the freeway, I'm not going out and playing on the freeway because he's playing on the freeway. Now, I know that's a simple analogy, but you'd be surprised at the things that people use in life to justify why they lower their level of living and they, they let them say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not any worse than this guy. As a matter of fact, I've seen some things. I know some things. And so we use that to justify, and that has nothing to do with the race. That has nothing to do with whether we win or not. We both lose. 
And if that's all that matters to you, then folks, you don't even need to hear me preach today. But if eternity matters to you, you better listen to what the Word has to say and understand that there's some things about life that it doesn't matter who's doing it. If the Word of God said that I should not do it, or if something more than that, if my conscience says that's not something you need to do, then I shouldn't do it. Amen. And so we live in a world where we let our circumstances determine what we do. And Paul said, you can't let that happen. You, you can't look around and justify what you're doing because of who you are and your position. And you know what, I, I, I'm a this or I'm a that. Paul said, it doesn't matter what you are. What matters is how you're doing in this thing called life. And the race of life is all that really matters. And so he understood that winning was something that was important, but he also understood that winning doesn't just happen. I don't know if some of you know this, but you're not going to go to heaven just because you come and sit on these pews. I'm glad you do, but you're not going to heaven just because you come and sit on these pews. You're not going to go to heaven just because you run around with the right people either. No more than you're going to go to heaven because you run around with the wrong people. That, that's not how I'm going to get from this world to that world. Coming to church, there's some people that are of the opinion that they've done God a favor by showing up. And my Lord, don't ask them to worship. That's just a little bit too much for their energy this morning. Now, we'll go sit in a football stadium or a baseball stadium or a soccer stadium and we'll scream and yell and jump up. And, but we don't want any of that in church. Well, you know what? That, the, the race that really matters is going on in this place, folks. The race that really matters is what we're doing in here this morning. This is what matters. Whether I make it is what matters. It doesn't matter the flavor that I like. What matters is that I keep my eye on the goal and I remember what's worth giving my life for. Man, he understood that winning didn't just happen. If I'm going to win, it's going to be because I commit myself to some things. Any athlete that's ever tried to run a race understands the bursting lungs and the throbbing legs and the training and the stress and the dedication. But more than that, they understand that to win, you have to have heart. There's got to be something inside of you that's more than talent and ability. It's something inside that pushes you. Just because you have experienced salvation doesn't mean necessarily that you've got it made. The Bible says if you follow on to know the Lord, you shall know. Amen. Winning the race is a costly thing. It's, it, it, it costs something. It, it involves something called commitment and a level of commitment that is not based on what the world calls commitment. The world calls commitment. Uh, really, it's convenience. It, it's limited. You know, it, it has liabilities to it. It has exceptions to it. If you don't believe that, go buy a new car and look at all of the things that they exclude from certain warranty work. Or go buy a new house or a new washing machine and notice the they, they have a commitment to a certain level. But the race that Paul's talking about 
involves commitment beyond that. And I don't know why, but God's been talking to me a lot lately about commitment and, and the essentiality of us understanding how, how deeply that commitment's got to be. And this is what the Lord spoke to me this week is that commitment will never go without being challenged. That when you make a commitment that you're going you're gonna to straighten up or you're going to live right or you're going to do right or you're going to commit your life to the Lord in a deeper level, that is never going to go without some kind of conflict. There's never going to be a commitment without some kind of, 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 of something that rises up to try to stop you. If you don't believe that, commit to go on a diet this week. And see if Bluebell is not put on for $2 a gallon. Or you go in the store and they're giving away cookies. Make a commitment to God. And see if that commitment is not immediately challenged. Now here's what God's been talking to me about is that it's not the commitment or the challenge. It's what people do when that happens. Because many people, when their commitment is challenged, they start questioning their commitment. They start questioning whether it's necessary or not. They start wondering if it's worth all of this. And the reality is that when you make a commitment, there's never going to be a commitment without a challenge to that commitment. That's not doesn't mean you should give up and, and just say, well, it's just I can't do that. It just means that you're on the right path, that if you're going to make a commitment to something, it's going to require you to have more than just a little bit of will. It's going to determine a lot of will. If you don't believe what I'm saying, just make a commitment and see how many things challenge your commitment. How many times have we been at an altar and we committed the Lord... We're going to pray more. And then the next week, everything that could happen, happens. Everything that could distract us, distracted us. Everything that could get in our way, got in our way. We make a commitment to God that we're not going to act a certain way. And we walk out of here and we run face to face with some devil. Sometimes it's in human form. But we run face to face with somebody that just provokes us. And all of a sudden, all of that spirituality that we were trying to build up and all of that determination that we were trying to get a hold of, Paul said, if you're going to win the race, it's going to take a commitment that doesn't falter when it's been challenged. It's going to take a commitment that doesn't get weak in the knees when it runs into an enemy. It's not going to turn back and go home because it has run into a difficulty. It just means that there's going to have to be a little bit more determination. There's got to be a little bit more will. in the, it, He calls it temperateness. He, he said the, the athlete has to be temperate in everything. That's a wonderful word. Anybody know what that means? I know you don't like this, but it's called self-control. Self-control. You want everybody else to line up, bow down, do what you want, 
but you can't even control yourself. And he said, if you're going to win this race, you're going to have to get a hold of the reins of your own life and realize that the only one that's going to stop this is you. The only one that's going to control this is you. If you want a better destiny, you better get hold of those reins and pull them back because it takes self-discipline. You know, some people can live for God as long as the preacher gets up every weekend and he's got a clothesline of things that he just hammers on and they, they, they can live for God. But if you don't preach that every weekend... Y'all think I'm meddling. I'm not meddling. I, I know right where I am this morning. We're in a race, church. And what matters is not what goes on on the right or the left, even in church. What matters is what's going on before you. The prize that you are running toward is worth every effort, and you are not going to make it until you learn to say no. Everybody say that with me. No. Not to your neighbor, not to your husband, not to your wife, but to yourself. No. 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 I'm not going to let my attitude get messed up. No. I'm not going to get an attitude. No. I am not going to act like that. No. You know what? Sometimes we just need to get in the closet with ourselves and have a little wrestling match. Yes. And we need to come to the place with ourselves that we understand what no means. Because we'll tell the dog no, and we'll tell the people who are in front of us no, and we'll tell our spouse no, but we will never look ourselves in the eye and say, no, you're not going to act like that. No, you're not going to talk like that. No, you're not going to have that attitude. I don't care if everybody around you has got a bad attitude. You are not going to have that attitude. You're not going to give in to this negative speaking all this garbage that's going around. I refuse to be lowered to that level anymore. Good Lord, have mercy. I refuse. Just because everybody else has got a potty mouth? Does that mean I need a potty mouth? Just because everybody else is crude, does that mean I need to be crude? Hey, folks, we're not playing games today. We're in a race for life. We're in a race for eternity. And what matters is not if I win the rat race, but if I win the right race. And the right race determines, it is determined by my ability to say no to me. No, no. Amen. Place in restriction. You can be seated. I'm not through. You may wish I was, but I'm not through. I better be through, though. My time's running out. Do you know that even Jesus did not make a commitment without that commitment being challenged? The Bible said he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And if you read over, that's in one book. You read over in another book, it's the same time frame. The disciples said, why are you going there? They're going to hurt you there. 
He said, because that's where my purpose is. And what people do to me is not going to determine whether I get to my purpose. It doesn't matter if they talk about me. It doesn't matter if they beat me. It doesn't matter if they curse me. It doesn't matter if they pull my beard. It doesn't matter if they pull my hair. It doesn't matter if they spit on me. I have a purpose to fulfill. And nothing is going to stop me from my purpose. People, things, issues. Am I preaching to somebody here this morning? Am I talking to myself? Is there something that God's trying to wake us up to in this crazy hour in which we live where everybody is so consumed with a political race or an Olympic race or some other race and we're forgetting the race that really matters. It involves my soul and where I'm going to spend eternity and whether I make it or not. And I need to understand that when I set my face, something's going to rise to challenge. But when I understand that that's where my purpose is, I'm not going to let anything sidetrack me. Stop me from doing that. I don't have time to go into all of them, but Paul mentioned it in Acts 21 and chapter 20 as well. And also in Luke 9 and 51, you'll find Jesus steadfastly setting himself to go to Jerusalem. 1 Peter 4 and 1 said, For as much then as Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. What a powerful, powerful scripture. Paul said winning is the most important thing. Winning the race, the right race. Winning is not a convenient thing. It, it's, it requires sacrifice. It, it require, and these are not things that people preach in the pulpit anymore because it's too heavy. It's too, uh, it's too restrictive. People don't want to talk about a life of sacrifice, but I pray God will help us see that this coming weekend, the reason we are here is because men made sacrifices. They climbed up into attics and they stayed all day in prayer until they were sopping wet. Their clothes were dripping with perspiration, but they stayed there in that attic praying until God gave a breakthrough. They were because men and women went into cities that had no church and they set up a tent and while they were preaching, people threw tomatoes and rotten potatoes and they pulled guns out and threatened to kill them. But they never wavered. They stood fast. They gave up what they thought was nothing in this world so that they can lay their hands on that which is eternal. And the reason that we sit where we sit is because somebody paid a price. Somebody made a sacrifice. You know what the Lord talked to me about this morning? While I was in here praying early this morning, the Lord said, you know what? You didn't have to bring a bullock or a lamb or turtle doves or wheat or barley or any of the other things that my people have passed have had to bring. The only thing that I asked to bring was your lips. Because now your mouth, your praise becomes the sacrifice that I'm looking for. 
And what I'm hungry for is for somebody to recognize what I've done in their life and what I have saved them from or what I have kept them from or what I have given to them. And they will walk into this place with their mouth filled with an adoration for me. And their sacrifice is not a bullock or a lamb, but it's the words that come out of their mouth because those words testify and they witness to my glory. They witness to what I have done in their life. They tell everybody how good I've been to them and how great I am in their life. And when you praise me, you are offering a sacrifice of praise that is pleasing to Almighty God. Come on, stand to your feet and praise Him. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Oh, hallelujah. I worship you. I worship you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, there are a lot of people that are of the opinion that because the Lord no longer requires the animal sacrifice that he's not interested in sacrifice. But he is. He's more interested today because your life can become a sacrifice. The way you live makes a statement that the only thing I'm concerned about is making it. I've got to win this race. I've got to win. I can't let anything sidetrack me. I can't let anything subvert my mind, my will, my purpose. I cannot got to keep my mind, my focus, not on my problems, not on the perplexities of the day, not on people. Oh, good Lord, please deliver us from that. Our eyes are on people. And our spirituality staggers because people stagger. You know what I'm looking is for people who can grow up in the Lord and they don't base their sacrifice or their worship on what others are doing. All they know is what God has done for me. And when I think about the goodness of Jesus (laughs) and all that He's done for me. Hey, if I get on your nerves, it's just going to have to get on your nerves. But I've got to praise Him a little while right now. Because he's been too good to me for me to be silent. He's been too good to me. He's blessed me. He's given me more than I deserve. He has kept me. And I cannot help but praise him. (laughs) Oh, I worship you today, God. I love you. I I give you the honor that you are deserving. The sacrifice. Oh, Oh, I worship you. I pour myself out for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.